Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Who the hell are you? A remnant of a time long past. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Saturday edition of The Riley and Kimmy Show. It's episode number 1,356. Right next to me is my cartoon. Kimmy, I got one name. Hi there, I am your host, Patrick Riley. Oh, did I tell you exactly what's going to happen to you? You're going to be back in television, only it won't be quite the same as it was before. Uh, that's true, and you can find out how different it is with some of the videos we have available on our website. We have an entire video page, or matter of fact, our Facebook page might be another way to do that, and YouTube page. You can find links to our social media and also... Um, our event page, the places that we will be out and about at, right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. It is a Saturday edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. As Kimmy's quite happy, it's a Saturday, and one week from now, the Riley and Kimmy Show will be on the road we will not be in the park, Kimmy. Yes, we will be somewhere next Saturday, but not in the park. We will be at Space Coast Comic Con, located at the Space Coast Convention Center. That's happening in Cocoa, Florida. It is a three-day event. Starts on Friday. That is the 8th and runs right through the 10th, which just happens to be somebody's birthday that's uh, in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody's birthday. Uh, I don't know who. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's see. It's not yours. It's not the fur. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's mine. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to uh, give me a great birthday present, you can do that by showing up at Space Coast Comic Con. That is this coming, well, actually next weekend. I was going to say this coming. Well, it's next weekend. It'll be happening. That is September 8th through the 10th. We would love to see you there. All types of guests will be there, including this mystery guest who just loves to sing. This person will be at Space Coast Comic Con. It is a guest. Yo, Patrick, here's the uh, bumper music. I want you to dig out and play on one of your shows. I'm on a Mexican radio. I'm on a Mexican radio. Uh, let's see, what was the name of that band? Uh, some voodoo, I think. I'm on a Mexican radio, radio. You probably know it. It just hit me. Walla Voodoo. That's the band. I think that's about their only hit from the 80s, which a lot of people in the 80s, one-hit wonders had. Wall of Voodoo. All right. Talk to you later, bro. Click. Yeah, he loves to sing. He will be at Space Coast Comic Con. I'll give you this much of a clue. He is in the Celebrity Room. Mm -hmm. Yes, he will be in the Celebrity Room. You might be able to get him to sing, too. 
That's right. Uh, you can find him at Space Coast Comic Con. And, you know, he's saying more than one time for the Riley and Kimmy show. You yes. know that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, he, he liked to. Well, I caught him the very first time. He came up to me and he said, I love your jingle. I'd like to sing it. I, I want to do my cover version of it. I said, okay. The Riley and Kimmy show. The Riley and Kimmy show. Don't you know, don't you know, you gotta listen to the Riley and Kimmy show. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be able to uh, hear that voice and actually meet that voice at Space Coast Comic Con. That is starting upcoming Friday, September 8th through the 10th in Cocoa, Florida. We would love to see you. Stop on by the Riley and Kimmy show table at Space Coast Convention Center. Tell us how uh, the day is going or days. Hopefully it is days. And do a little, uh, you know, little uh, show and tell if you happen to pick up some fine collectible, some great thing. Because uh, there's plenty of vendors there with collection stuff for you. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe that new pop vinyl you're looking for, or maybe that really hard to find one, or vintage items as well. That's at Space Coast Comic Con. You can find out more by going right to their Facebook page, and we have links to that and their website right on our website. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. Riley and Kimmy. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That is a question for this Saturday, September 2nd. Does Kimmy want to play a game? Now, the game just happens to be Nerd and Pop Culture Trivia. Kimmy, are you awake enough? It's before sunrise to play Nerd and Pop Culture Trivia. Sure. All right, here we go. The Nerd and Pop Culture timeline has been adjusted, meaning it is not running in chronological order. We'll be asking Kimmy some questions from that timeline. Shout out answers to Kimmy, uh, to whatever computing device you happen to be listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. Here we go. The very first question we have for Kimmy deals with music. I think that'll make you quite happy because that's one of your favorite categories, isn't it, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. All right. The very first question we have for you is a two-part question. It was in this city, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum officially opened... Give us the name of the city and give us the decade or actually the year this happened. Was this 1975, 1985, 1995, or 2005? 1975. It was 1995 when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum opened. What city is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame located in? Um, It's in Ohio. Yes, you got that right. The state you got right. Um. Yes, you can do it. Alan Freed actually caused this possibly to happen. He was big, a big rock and roll DJ in this city. Uh oh. The movie American Hot Wax deals with this. Can you tell me the name of the city, Kimmy? Just think of a think of a city. I'll give you this much of a clue. It's not the city where Klinger is from on MASH, which was Toledo. So Toledo's thrown out. It's not Toledo. Mm. Columbus? It's I not Columbus, Kimmy. I can't think of it. it. They have a baseball team. Do you want to try one more time? Cincinnati? Uh, it's the other city that has a baseball team in Ohio. Cleveland. Yes, it is Cleveland, Kimmy. Wow. Okay. Well, Kimmy's been a little bit under the weather, so yes. we'll, we'll give her a pass on that. The first issue of McCall's Magazine was published on this date. The magazine has been known previously as Queen's Magazine and Queen of Fashion. Was it published the first time, the first issue, in the 19th or 20th century? 20th? It was the 19th century. It was 1897. Now, 
Did you or anybody in your household read McCall's, or was that just a, like an old person's magazine? I don't remember seeing that one. All right, but you did see it on the like newsstands at the mm-hmm. grocery store and stuff like that. I don't know a single human being ever ever read that one. 1901. This person is vice president at the time. He would become president of the United States. He says the following. Tell me who he is. He says, quote, speak softly and carry a big stick. He did it for the first time in Minnesota. Tell me who this is. Theodore Roosevelt. That's right, TR. The year is 1945. Japan surrendered to the United States aboard the USS Missouri, ending World War What? Two. That's correct. The year is 1949. This movie is released, Kimmy. It would win an Academy Award in 1950 for Best Cinematography. I think it should have won for some other things as well. Here's some dialogue lifted from that movie. Tell me the name of the movie. Here is your audio clue. You know, I never feel comfortable on these sort of things. Victims. Don't be melodramatic. Look down there. Would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever? If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money? Or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spin? Free of income tax, old man. Free of income tax. Can you identify the movie, Kimmy? The Third Man. Yes, Kimmy got it right. 1949, The Third Man is released in theaters. It premieres, actually, in 1949 on this date. Two-part question, Kimmy. Well, the next question is, who is the star of The Third Man? Orson Welles. Yes, Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton playing that. Welles would be identified as the villainous Harry Lime. Fantastic film. I recommend those who have never seen it to check it out. It would influence many, many other things for years to come. 1962, Ken Hubbs of the Chicago Cubs set a Major League Baseball fielding record when he played errorless for his 74th consecutive game. 1963, CBS and NBC News both expand their network news from 15 minutes to 30 minutes. Give me the name of the team, Kimmy. Baseball question. 1965, this slugger, Ernie Banks, hits his 400th home run. What team? Chicago Cubs. That's right. Give me the name of the musical group. The year is 1965. They receive a gold record for the song Help. The Beatles. You're correct. Two-part question, Kimmy. It was on this date. We want the year exact. No, no margin of error here. This TV show, the original run of this TV show, its original network run is canceled. Give us the year exactly. Identify it first. Give us the year. Gentlemen, by coming after me, you may well have destroyed what slim chance you had for your survival. The logical thing for you to have done was to have left me behind. That is a most illogical attitude. Orbit in one minute, Mr. Scott. Can we identify the TV show? Star Trek. Space, the final frontier. When did it get canceled finally? They canceled it the first time, and then they kept it for another season. This is the season it was kaput. What year? No margin of error. 1970. 1969. And tell me the name of the network that got rid of it. ABC. The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. 
Yes, NBC canceled it, and then they would bring it back in the animated version some years later. Did you ever watch the animated version of Star Trek? No, I haven't. Well, Kimmy, we have the DVDs, the entire uh, oh, entire run. Okay. And you can also catch that, I believe, on Heroes and Icons Network. I know they do that. I think it's on Sundays. They run the animated version. Almost the entire cast is part of it. They voiced it, with the exception of Walter Koenig, Chekhov, whose character was not part of it. Which, But what's interesting is he actually wrote an episode or two of it, the animated version. Moving to something else that happened on this date. Music-wise, Kimmy, give me the name of this recording artist. 1972, he had a number one hit with this song. You Wear It Well was a number one hit for whom? Rod Stewart. 1972, do you have that in your vinyl collection? Um, no, I don't. Not on MP3? Mm-mm. Not CD? No. Cassette tape? No. 8-track? No. Nothing? No. Reel to reel? No. Oh, would you like me to find it for you? No. The year is 1973. Billy Martin was fired as manager of the Detroit Tigers. Martin was relieved of his duties three days after ordering his pitchers to throw spitballs against the Cleveland Indian batters. The year is 1981. This single's released... By what recording artist, Kimmy? Here is your audio clue. The song is Controversy. It was not a big pop chart hit. Matter of fact, uh, in the Hot 100 hit number 70, Billboard Hot Black Singles number 3, and on the Hot Dance Clubs number 1 on their song list. Tell me who the recording artist is. Prince. You're correct. The year is 1983. The film Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence opened around in the United States. The movie stars a pop icon, a rock star. Can you identify who this is? Now, I know you don't know the movie. I could probably interview 10,000 people and they couldn't tell me anything about the film. But I think his voice is unique enough, will stand out. Tell me who this singer slash actor, he is known as both, is. Here's your audio clue. Um, I do it very rarely. This is like the second time I've done it in, in God knows how many years. But this, I, I appreciate the value of doing it. There's time to make uh, to be public with things. I mean, I, I don't know. I've always been a pretty private person, but I think I, I'm changing somewhat. That I think it's now important for me as an artist to. It's, it's slowly dawned on me that, that part of an artist's responsibility is to make himself open to um, the people that are trying to understand his work. Still not at ease with the situation, but it's it's it, it start, it's making sense now. There he is talking about being in the movie. Can you tell me who it is? Mm, no. Here's clue number two, an actual well, bit of audio from the movie. Not guilty. I'm not a criminal. I am a soldier of His Majesty's Army. One month ago, I came out of the Jar Jar Simpoa Mountains. I surrendered to Colonel Utsumi of the Imperial Japanese Army. I was imprisoned at Tsukabumi. I was kept for three days in solitary confinement. And I was questioned by Lieutenant Tito. He asked me my name and my rank, and I told him. 
the Lieutenant Ito asked me, is that true? I replied, of course it is. I'm with the British Army. Let me ask you something. Why would a man who's about to die give a false name? Can you identify who that singer-actor is, Kimmy? No. Bonus clue. He would act as John Merrick, the elephant man on stage. David Bowie. That's correct. It was David Bowie who was in Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. He was a star. 1983. 1986, this person began recording an album. She was 16 years old and still in school when she did. And here's a single from that album, which reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. And can you identify who that is, Kimmy? Debbie Gibson. That's correct. Debbie Gibson with Out of the Blue. That's actually the uh, title track to the album that she began working on. It reached number three, the song did, on the Hot 100, 1988. Staying in the world of music, just going to a different genre, Kimmy. It was on this date, 1991. The third studio album by this person is released. The album, the CD, is called Ropin' the Wind. We have a sample from that CD, that album, a 1991 hit, which reached number three on the country charts. Identify the recording artist. Well, it's balls and blood, it's a dust and mud, it's a roar of a Sunday crowd. It's wide and it's nothing, the gold and the buckle, he'll win the next go round. It's boots and shafts, it's cowboy hats, it's spurs and let it go. Give me identify the recording artist. Garth Brooks. That's right. Roping the Wind, the third studio album by him, is released, and that was from that album, 1991. Celebrity and notable birthdays. Let's see how you can, uh, well, how you manage. Give me with these uh, these clues that we have. Tell me who this person is, this actor, and tell me how old he is within five years once you identify him. He uh, well, really became known with a TV movie in 1986. The movie was called The Deliberate Stranger, in which he portrayed the real-life law student turned cross-country serial killer, Ted Bundy. Then he starred in the film The Presidio in 1988, opposite of Sean Connery. From 1996 to 2000, he was on Chicago Hope, and 2003 until now, he's on NCIS. He stars on that TV show. Who is he? Mark Harmon. Yes. How old is Mark Harmon today within five? Um, 68. He is 66 today. Next person, tell me what he is known for, and tell me how old he is within five. That is Jimmy Connors having a birthday. Tennis player. That's right. Retired American world number one tennis player, often considered among the greatest in the history of the sport. How old is he today within five? Um, 65. You got it exactly right. Identify this actor, Kimmy. Tell me how old he is within five years. Here is your brief audio clue. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Tell me who that is. Keanu Reeves. Yes, how old is Keanu Reeves within five? 52. He is 53 and moving to an actress having a birthday. A very small clue here for you. Tell me who she is and how old she is once you identify her. She became well-known, a breakout role almost. She was in something before this, but really known for playing the vampire queen in From Dusk Till Dawn 
in that movie. She performed a tabletop snake dance. Can you tell me who she is? Mm, yes, I know who that is. Matter of fact, her dance was used as an example for Jessica Alba when she took over the role or took the role in Sin City as Nancy for her dancing scenes. Mm-hmm. The director had her watch this actress. Mm-hmm. Who is the actress? Um, I know who it is. I can't think of her name right now. You can't do it. Mm-mm. Salma? Hiya. That's right. How old is she within five years? Uh, 47. She is 51 today. I see dead people. It's notable deaths. Tell me who it is. Give me 1973. He passed away. British author known for The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, dies at the age of 81. Who is it? Tolkien. That's correct. Next person, an actor we're not going to ask you a single question about because he's from, I like to, I hate to say this, but forgotten Hollywood. Uh, Kimmy was not exposed to this uh, this actor's work probably. 2001, we saw the loss of Troy Donahue. You probably don't know who he is, do you? I've heard the name. Well, he died at the age of 65, an American film and television actor and singer. He was very popular in the 1950s and the 1960s. 1958, he was in Monster on the Campus. The movie he's really well known for is from 1959, A Summer Place. And in 1967, he played in Jewel Verne's Rocket to the Moon. And plus, he did a ton of other things, too. That's just some of the highlights from his career. Next person passed away, 2005, an American actor known for television. He was in two big TV shows. He was the, well, the first one, he wasn't exactly the star, but he did stand out. And then the second show, he was the star. He died at the age of 70 on this date in 2005. Here is an audio clue, Kimmy, from the first TV show where he was a supporting cast member, but really stood out. See if you can identify his voice. I believe it, good buddy. You just open your mouth and out it comes, Dove, I know. I mean, I know you're like honest and decent and loyal and true blue and kind and a real human being. But on the other hand, you're also sneaky, mean and rotten and kind of a skunk. Well, it's easy. With me, your friends, your parents and teachers, I mean, you're a real American and heck of a good sport. But with chicks, you're a perfect fink. Yeah, Dove, that's why there's nothing you won't do to get one. Oh, you're gonna live in a cave and become a helmet. You're not chasing chicks? No, I don't understand. Clue me. Can you identify that voice? Bob Denver. That's right. What was the TV show he first became known in? Dobie Gillis. Yeah, Dobie Gillis. Kimmy got it right, and he played Maynard G. Krebs on that show. Mm. I, I have a feeling you've never seen it, though. Never watched it. Wow, wow. But you did watch the other show he's known for. Which one was that? Gill- Gilligan's Island. Yep, that's right. Gilligan's Island, he played uh, the star, Gilligan. You know what's interesting is when, uh, when what's her name, who uh, played Ginger, took the role, she thought it was going to be Ginger's Island. Mm-hmm. She actually believed that. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. Uh, yeah, Tina Louise, that mm-hmm. is. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job on this Saturday, and we have absolutely nothing for you today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. We, we will get Kimmy dinner or lunch of her choice in Greater Orlando or Daytona Beach today, just for being a, a fun participant in nerd and pop culture trivia. 
All right. Thank you. And what we're going to do right now is we have something very special that we've never played before and is rarely played at all that will honor something we talked about in trivia with the golden age of radio. It is rare. That's the Riley and Kimmy Show. We talked about The Third Man coming out in 1949 on this date, starring Orson Welles. Well, in honor of that, we have a little-known radio production that was done because of that hit film. It's called The Lives of Harry Lyme, which originally aired from 1951 to 1952. It was a series. The interesting part, and the really unique part, Orson Welles reprised his, his role of Harry Lyme from the third man. Now, if you watch the movie The Third Man, you know what happens to Harry Lyme. I'm not going to spoil it. You might say, well, how could they do the series? Well, they did this because the radio series is a prequel to the film. It depicts the many misadventures of the con artist Harry Lyme. It is special, especially if you love The Third Man. You can listen to this, and it won't ruin the movie The Third Man. It'll go right with it. We have three of the first episodes. Yep, all back to back, uninterrupted. Orson Welles, with the lives of Harry Lyme on The Riley and Kimmy Show. Presenting Orson Welles, as the third man. The lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character, originally created in the motion picture The Third Man, with zither music by Anton Karras. That was the shot that killed Harry Lyme. He died in a sewer beneath Vienna. As those of you know who saw the movie, The Third Man. Yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme. But it was not the beginning. Harry Lyme had many lives. And I can recount all of them. How do I know? It's very simple. Because my name is Harry Lyme. Don't get me wrong, I love Budapest. From Budapest come goulashes and shardashes. Shardashes being something you dance and goulash being something you eat if you go for all that paprika. Me, I love it. So, when I got that telegram, I took the first train to Hungary. Maybe I'd better tell you about the telegram first. Dear Mr. Lyme, it said, my bank is going to be robbed and I need your help. It was signed Fekete, evidently a man's name, nobody I knew. I knew all about bank robberies, however, and I was dying to help. Besides, as I say, I love paprika. So I started packing right away.
And now Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man in today's story, Too Many Crooks. Before calling in at the bank, I stopped at a cute little flower shop I happened to notice across the way. Uh, good morning. Uh, would you give me something for my buttonhole? Well, Lily. Lily, what are you doing here? We have some very pretty pink gardenias. Oh, come on, Lily. Don't tell me you don't remember me. And how are all the Corellis? The who? Huh? Don't give me that, Lily. My name is Lulu. Well, it used to be Lily, and you used to be a blonde. And the Corellis, as you know perfectly well, because you used to work for some of the best bank robbers in Central Europe. Well, what about it, honey? Here are your gardenias, Harry. Now get out of here. Okay, honey, okay. No need to get in a hassle. I'm telling you, Harry, get out. I never was one to argue, so I took my gardenias across the street and the bank. Mr. Feckety will see Mr. Harry Lyme. You can go in now, Mr. Lyme. Oh, thank you. Mr. Feckety will see you. Yes, that's what I gathered. Uh, this way, please. And thank you. Oh, Mr. Lyme, yes. will you please extinguish your cigarette? Mr. Feckety does not approve of smoking. Thanks. I'll bear that in mind. Mr. Lyme. Come in. Come in and shut the door. There's a date. Do you mind if I sit down, Mr. Feckety, or is there a rule against that? Sit down, sit down. You're a very impertinent young man, but I don't mind that. I am an impertinent older man. We ought to get along together very nicely. What's your proposition, Mr. Feckety? Yeah. What do you mean? That's what I said. What's your proposition? Uh, listen to me, Lime. I don't make propositions. I consider them. Have it your own way, Feckety. I'm a big boy now, and I'm not so easily impressed. Uh, what do you mean, impressed? All this big desk, double secretary, Mr. Feckety, will see you now, Mr. Feckety, doesn't approve of smoking, busy executive hoopla. I may go down very well with the bumpkins who give you their money to invest. It doesn't mean a thing to me. You sent for me, didn't you? I crossed three national borders to get here and lost a lot of time, so don't ask me what's my proposition. <laughs> what's yours, Mr. Feckety? <laughs> very good, very good indeed. You're just the man I hoped you were. <laughs> Have a cigar. Wouldn't that be breaking the rules? I make the rules, Mr. Lamb, and I don't like cheap tobacco smoke. Now, do I enjoy being forced to distribute these very costly custom-made Havanas to every, or what is it you call them, bumpkin, who comes into my office? I think you'll enjoy these. Thanks. Light? Thanks. Good. Now that we're a little more at ease, uh, suppose you tell me something about yourself. Why? What do you mean, why? I wish you'd stop asking me what I mean by everything I say, Feckety. I said why, and I meant why. You put private detectives on my trail, you found me, you made me a very substantial down payment on services to be rendered, and now, when I get here, you want me to tell you about myself. That's just plain silly, old man. It's obvious that if you went to all that trouble and expense to get me here, you knew about me already. I'm the one to ask the questions, <laughs> not you. <laughs> better and better. Mr. Lyme, if you were just a little less notorious as a cook, I'd offer you a vice presidency in my bank. I forgive the insult, Mr. Feckety. Uh, what do you mean, insult? There you go asking me what I mean again. I meant insult. Now, don't you get pompous on me, Lyme. You are a crook, a well-famous one. You don't want to deny that. What I don't want is very simple, Mr. Feckety. I don't want to be a vice president of your bank. Huh? Oh, 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 oh I follow you now. <laughs> don't worry, Lyme. Right. I promised you $20,000. That's right. Or its equivalent in Hungarian pencils. Oh, wait a minute. And you'll get it without having to serve as an officer of this you bank. You promised me $20,000, old man. There weren't any gimmicks in the agreement about the joke money you folks pass off on each other locally. I know. I carry my own microscope for reading the fine type. Very well, very well. $20,000 it is. Uh, don't you want to know what I expect you to do for Mr. it? Mr. Feckety, you keep making me repeat myself. I told you before that I'm a big boy now. If you're giving me 20,000 bucks, I can relax, not worry about asking you silly questions. You're going to get around eventually to telling me what you expect me to do for it. Hmm. Uh, did you ever hear of a bank giving a reward? Yes, but only after a bank robbery. Exactly. Uh. Exactly. Only after a bank has been robbed. I'm reversing the procedure line. 
I'm giving the reward first. Oh, so that's the little caper, is it? You want me to rob your bank for you? Oh, not at all, not at all. A reward is usually given for apprehending the thieves who have robbed the bank. What I want you to do, Harry, I may call you Harry. Certainly, old man, call me Harry if it gives you any fun. Well, Harry, what I want you to do is to apprehend the robbers before the robbery is committed. <laughs> Very clever, don't you think so? Uh, have another cigar. In my business, I may get in the way of an awful lot of screwy deals, but I can tell you that never in a long career have I been offered in complete seriousness a loopier proposition than Mr. Feckett is. Seems the key to the whole affair was Mr. Feckett, his junior officer in the bank, a certain Mr. Fodor. Lordis Loss Fodor is the full name, Harry. Mm. He's one of our vice presidents. I see. And I tell you this right now, the man is an unprincipled criminal. Oh? And come here and I'll show him to you. Come this way. You can see him through the glass pan. Oh, yes. There he is. Oh, that one? Second desk to the right. Uh, with all those silly hairs pasted over his bald head. <laughs> That's the man. He doesn't look very dangerous to me. Fodor? Dangerous? He is the brain of a backward bird and the charm of a worm. Now that I look back on it, I can't imagine how I ever persuaded myself to be jealous of Jealous? I don't follow you, old man. If I have a fault, Harry, it is this. I do tend to be jealous. Lulu often chides me about it, and I have promised to curb the instinct, but there, it is a part of my case. Lulu? You mean the girl in the flower shop across the way, that Lulu? She is the only Lulu I know, Mr. Lyon. How does it happen that you are acquainted with her? You see this carnation? I see it, yes. Lulu sold it to me, overcharged me, scandalously, as a matter of fact. Well, Lulu is a working girl. She must live. How does it happen you know her? What makes you think I do? You know her name? Oh, one of the other customers called her that while I was still in the shop. As it happens, it was this little fellow you just pointed out to me over there, the vice president, uh, Fodor. Third vice president. I hate to keep harping on these commercial matters, faculty old man, but just how does my $20,000 reward come into the picture? Uh, let us retire to my inner office, Harry. I never tell you. Okay, come. old man. Uh, sit down, please, Harry. Have another cigar. My pockets are bulging with cigars now, old man. Let's concentrate on the 20,000. Certainly, certainly. Oh, Miss Carver, Miss Carver. Yes, Mr. Feckative? Uh, no matter who calls, don't disturb me. Not on any account. I'm having an important conference. Yes, Mr. Feckative. Oh, jealousy, Harry. Jealousy is a terrible yes, thing. Yes, yes, certainly. Is. Now about this reward. Jealousy uh, is the green-eyed monster who doth mock the meat it feeds on. That's how the poet Shakespeare expresses yeah, the it. the poet Shakespeare said a mouthful, and now... But still, if it had not been for jealousy, I would never have followed this Fodor into Lulu's shop. And if I hadn't done that, I would never have discovered the digging. Digging? What digging? What would you say, Harry, if I were to tell you that running under the street from Lulu's flower shop to this bank, there is a tunnel? A tunnel? What would you say if I told you that? Well, eh? I'd say, well, 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 what do you know? That's what I'd say. That's what I said when I found out about it. And that's why I say now that I mustn't ever forget to be grateful to jealousy. Particularly since I've discovered that there's nothing between Lolo and Fodor. Or nothing serious. And uh, do you know what I'd say to that? No. A couple of rude words. Yeah, but why? Why? You find him scrabbling away together like a couple of chubby moles, digging away in the general direction of your bank vault, and you say there's nothing serious between them? There isn't, I'm sure of that. I have Lulu's wealth. And besides, what could she possibly see in a fat little identity like Fodor? No, the only one who thinks it's serious is Fodor. And that's the whole point. Fodor is a dupe, a mere cat's point in the conspiracy. Oh, yes, and who's the mastermind? I am. Uh -huh. And what does Fodor think about that? He languishes in ignorance. He knows nothing. 
I do think that he aspires. He dares to aspire to my position in the bank. How does Lulu fit in? I must tell you that Lulu has given me some reason to hope that she will someday make me the happiest man in the world. And how would she do that? By giving up Fodor or sending you a big bouquet of roses? Let's get down to cases, old man. Wedding bells can ring out from Buddha to past and back again, but I won't be there to throw any rice unless I get paid. What is it exactly you want from me? Lessons on how to help Fodor and Lulu rob your bank? Fodor's going to do the robbing. And besides, it isn't my bank. I'm only a salary officer. And then Fodor gives you the money to give to Lulu. Is that it? No, that would be silly. That's just what I was thinking. No, no. Every day, Fodor is supposed to take the paper money from the various cages and place it in the vault. This is his responsibility. Tonight, however, he will not do this. He will leave the money outside the vault, hidden in a large filing cabinet. Oh, yeah. oh, the entire plan has been carefully worked out, I can assure you. All I can say is this folder of yours is a very cooperative type of cat's boy. Don't call him this folder of yours. He isn't. He's no folder of mine. Have it your own way, old man. What comes next? You, I suppose. Hmm? You come a half hour later with a dark lantern and a gunny sack. You wrap up the money, join Lulu, who's been waiting for you across the street in the flower shop, and the two of you, hand in hand, move off down the road into the sunrise and also into the very choicest Hungarian hooskow. Hmm? What is a hooskow? A jail or prison, a place of forcible incarceration, a lockup for bad little bank robbers. Not at all, not at all. It is Fodor who goes to prison. Oh, yes, and how do you work that? That is one of the things I want you to arrange. Oh, I see. I'm going to have to earn that 20000 I think we'll start by having it deposited in my name and in somebody else's bank, old man. Why now? And why another bank? Well, every bank in Budapest isn't going to be robbed tonight, so I think I'd prefer one of the others. And I'll take it now because I know you wouldn't want me to go to the police with what is, after all, a fairly sordid little Go story. to the police, but that's blackmail. Oh, watch your language, old man. Blackmail's a nasty word. You know, all I want is protection for my poor little 20000 I'll give you service for it, too, but I want to be absolutely positive that you're ready to meet your payroll. Very well. You'll have your money, but you will help me. I'm going to need a few more solid facts, old man. Well, it all began with this insane jealousy of mine for Fodor. Oh, yeah? I took to following him. He used to go into Lulu's flower shop at night long after it was closed. And one time he left the shutter unfastened and I went in. There were no lights in the shop itself, but I could hear voices from the basement below. I opened the trap door very carefully so as not to be hurt. And what do you think I saw? You saw Lulu, Fodor, and three men all hard at work digging a tunnel. Hmm? Yeah. How did you know? I didn't, I guess. After all, you told me there was a tunnel. But the three men, how did you know about them? Uh, still guessing. It's pretty obvious that Mr. Fodor and Lulu couldn't dig much of a hole without getting some help. Tell me this. It was Lulu who persuaded you to call me in on this deal, wasn't it? How did you know that? Still just guessing, old man, just guessing. Now, let me guess on for a minute and stop me when I'm wrong. When you saw what Lulu and Fodor were doing, you went home and brooded for a while, and a few days afterwards, you confronted her. It was the next day. Okay, it was the next day. And Lulu admitted she was planning to rob the bank, but said she was just using Fodor, and you were the only one she really cared about. And if you joined the party, it's you she'd run off with, leaving Mr. Fodor holding the bag. <laughs> An empty bag. How am I doing? <laughs> You're a clever man. Sure I am. That's why Lulu had you sent for me. You see, the idea is that Fodor will hide the money outside the vault and leave. Then, according to the arrangement, as he understands it, Lulu will come through the tunnel at night with her helpers and take the money back under the street through the tunnel. Uh, who did she tell Fodor of these helpers were? She said one of them is her brother and the other two are cousins. And what did she tell you? That's what she told me. Uh, why? Nothing, nothing, old man. Nothing at all. Uh, just give me one more guess, hmm? Oh, go ahead. After Fodor leaves the money, what you do is crawl back through the tunnel with a sack of currency clenched in your teeth. But no, that wouldn't make any sense, would it? You'd run into a couple of brothers crawling in the opposite direction. Uh, I, I'm not to have anything to do with the tunnel. Oh. You see, Fodor leaves the money out just before closing time. That way, he's implicated and we have a scapegoat. So there's nothing to stop me from letting myself in with my key at night and walking away with the money. Who could suspect me? It's a perfect crime, Harry. Wouldn't you say so? Yes, yes, it's quite a crime if you look at it in one way. 
Uh, but tell me about the brothers. What are they supposed to think about all this? Oh, they don't know about it. Lulu hasn't told them. But the news will reach them eventually. And what then? They must be implicated somehow, along with Photo. But I must be protected. I'm Lulu. That's what you're here for, Harry. Have another cigar. Naturally, the first thing I did after making my farewells to Mr. Feckety was to go across the street and pay a call on Lulu. Harry. Yeah. Listen to me carefully. I'm listening, honey. There's a little cafe on the hill above the old city. You know the place? Mm-hmm. There's a gold roost on the roof. Well, what about it? Go there and wait for me. You never can tell when Fodor or Fekete will be bursting in here. They keep jumping across the street to check up on each other and buying geraniums. <laughs> Go to the cafe and I'll be with you as soon as I can close well, up what, here. What about the boys below? What do you mean? The construction crew, the Corellis. Oh, um, Fekete told you about the Corellis? I would have found out anyway, Lily. Lulu. Okay, what happens to them if you shut up the store? Isn't there a way out? No, but they won't be finished work before I'm back. Besides, what they don't know won't hurt them. Lily, or rather Lulu, it looks to me as though just about everybody around here is due to be hurt by what they don't know. I found the gold rooster and sat down on the terrace of the restaurant to wait for Mr. Feckety's fiancée. Over a glass of tokai, I tried to add up the situation as of then. As far as I could see, the whole setup was like a Picasso painting. No matter how you looked at it, it was cockeyed and upside down. Hello, Harry. Don't order anything for me. I haven't time. Don't worry, Lily. I'm not here to celebrate. We can have our party after. I know who's going to pay the check. I wish you'd call me Lulu. Okay, Lulu. Now, here's all the sense I can make out of this little caper. You came here with the Corelli gang, right? No, they came first. Then they sent for me to work in the flower shop for a front. The tunnel was their idea. Then you sent for me. That was your idea. You're right. My photo thinks he's going to divvy up with the Corellis and marry you on the Mm, proceeds. Something like that. And Fekety thinks something like the same something. The president thinks he's going to put it over the vice president. What about the construction crew? You mean Walter and yeah, the others? Yes, the the original burglars. What are they going to get out of this? According to Feckety, it's going to be the old double cross. But if I know you, Feckety's in for the same gentle treatment. Harry, yeah. why should anybody get anything out of this except... Okay, Lily, okay. Book a couple of spaces for us on the first milk train out of Budapest. But be sure to get reservations on the bulletproof car. I wish you'd call me Lulu. <laughs> is on. A lot of trusting Hungarian depositors line up at the bank, leave their hard-earned pengos at the impressive-looking gilt cages for what they fondly believe is safekeeping, and hurry home to have their evening plate of goulash. Closing time comes and goes. Fekety doesn't leave. He just pretends to, and stays skulking in his office. Meanwhile, Fodor takes the big packages of pengos, which, as you know, is Hungarian for money, Dutifully to the door of the vault. He slams the vault loudly. This being for the benefit of the janitor, who is deaf anyway and doesn't hear, and quickly stows the loot in the empty filing cabinet which he has thoughtfully left nearby for just this purpose. He then goes home and passes a very restless night. The moon rises over the city and winks at its own reflection in the Danube. A lot of good Hungarians are in their beds. The others are all in a nightclub called the Arizona, dancing the Shardash. They do not come into this story, so we'll leave them dancing. Down onto the street, the Corellis, those adept bank robbers, continue to dig. They are putting the finishing touches on their tunnel, and we will not listen in on them because their conversation is very vulgar indeed. In his luxurious office, Mr. Feckety sits biting his nails and dreaming of a long West Indian cruise with Lulu in an adjoining deck chair.
As the gang in the tunnel understand it, when the clock strikes 12, they are to open the secret trap door which they have previously prepared inside the bank, a section of tiling near the vault, go to the filing cabinet and take out the money which Porter has left there, thus eliminating the noise and inconvenience of breaking into the vault and, first closing the loose tile after themselves, scuttle back with the loot under the street into the flower shop, out into the night and as far away from Hungary as possible. As I say, that's the way the gang in the tunnel understand it. This is also the arrangement as Mr. Fodor understands it, with a trifling difference, that he expects Lulu to stop by for him with his share of the profits. Like Mr. Feckety, he is biting his nails and dreaming of tropical cruises. And what of Lulu? Uh-huh, what of Lulu indeed? It is Lulu's little plan to foozle everybody, Corelli, Fodor, and Feckety. She's led them all on to just this point. It is the point of departure. Lulu's departure. Lulu and all those neatly wrapped packages of pingos. The trouble is, it's all just a little bit too much for one little girl to handle alone, so Harry Lime's been sent for. Harry is supposed to assist at the general foozling of one and all, and then, in due time, of course, he's to be foozled as well. Lulu will send Harry off to mail a postcard, and when he gets back, Lulu will have continued her travels alone, with nothing to keep her company but the loot. That, as I say, is the way Lulu understands it. The clock, high in the steeple of San Stefano, strikes 12. This is the signal. Mr. Corelli, that celebrated expert with his two able assistants, starts toward the bank. The tunnel was not built for comfort, and the going on hands and feet is a trifle rough. There's a bit of genteel cursing, but hearts are high. At the sound of the clock, Mr. Feckety removes the bound bundles of money from their place of safety and checks once again the bolts and fastenings which keep the loose tile in its place. In the darkness, Mr. Feckety smiles. He is satisfied that, contrary to the Corelli's expectations, the bank end of the tunnel is firmly and irrevocably closed. Still smiling, he starts toting the money toward the side door for which he, Mr. Feckety, is the perfectly legal possessor of a key. On the outside, Lulu, with a high-speed car, is supposed to be waiting for him. Unfortunately, however, a moment earlier, Harry Lime, on the flower shop end of the tunnel, has persuaded Lulu to go down for a moment and tell the boys not to try lifting that trick tile for at least a half hour. Lulu hates herself now for not having analyzed the merits of this suggestion. She has plenty of time now to think this over because foxy old Harry in the flower shop has bolted down the trap door. The clock has stopped striking, of course, and Mr. Feckety pops out of his bank looking for all the world like a jolly Christmas shopper with his arms loaded with bundles. There is a high-speed car waiting for Mr. Feckety, all right, but it is full of strange gentlemen, and they are all dressed in uniforms. Put up your hands, Feckety. Put up your hands. You're under arrest. But, but there's some mistake. Oh, not at all, old man. No mistake at all. You see, gentlemen, just as you were told, there he is, and there's the money. Come along now, Feckety. We are taking you in. You, Harry, a police informer. Not a bit of it, old man. I wouldn't dream of telling on you. No, the cops got the tip off from an anonymous letter, and you know how you spell anonymous? L-U-L-U. Lulu. She did it. 
Lulu. Lulu. That wouldn't be Lulu Hartz, would it? Uh, alias Lily the Twister. Yes, officer, I believe so. There's a reward offered for her capture, isn't there? Uh, I should say there is. What about the Corelli gang? They've got the biggest price on their heads in Central Europe. Oh, that's lovely. It's all beginning to add up when you throw in the generous reward Mr. Feckety posted in the name of his bank this afternoon. Uh, but you're not going to collect that, are Why you? not, old man? After all, you put up the money for me to collect before the bank was robbed, didn't you? You also wanted me to thwart the Corellis, and if you yourself are foolish enough to go breaking the law, you'll just have to tell it to the judge. I'll tell him plenty. I'll tell him about you. Go ahead. I haven't broken any laws, remember, and you'll only help me collect my various rewards. As a matter of fact, Lyme, just what is your connection with this affair? What have you done? Officer, all I did was turn a bolt on a trap door. Nothing at all, really, just a twist of the wrist. And now, if you've got some spare handcuffs ready, I think we'd better open it up again. The folks down below may be getting a little fretful, and I think they'll appreciate a change of scene. If you'll come with me, officer, I'll show you the place. Really, Mr. Lyme, I can't tell you how great Please, please, old man, don't mention it. Pleasure, I assure you. Won't you have a cigar? You know, friends, I had thought of substituting those fat packages of pengos for the same weight of old newspapers. But the rate of exchange wasn't so good on the pengo just then, so I resisted the temptation. After all, as Mother always said, too many crooks spoil the goulash. Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man in See Naples and Live. Once upon a time, there was an exquisite, huge emerald locket which spent most of its life looking out of the world from the rather fleshy neck of a Mrs. Donaldson as she waddled like a golden duck across the international social horizon. I had a rather strong desire to change the habitat of this particular locket from the neck of this particular lady to my own particular itching palm. It was Naples before the war. Enter. Ah, you kept me impatient for an hour, Mr. Lyme. I'm sorry, Senor Rubio. I just flew in from London and forgot to move my watch ahead. It is my knowledge that you have been in Naples for three days now. But it does not matter. I am a man with a skill for waiting. I'm going to be very brief. I won't waste any more of your time, old Bueno, man. bueno. At first, I must tell you that I've made all the arrangements to dispose of the Donaldson Emerald. Oh, yes? As soon as we uh, possess it, I uh, There's a small item I forgot to tell you about, Senor Rubio. I have decided to include you out. I, I do not think I understand. To be brief and simple, I've decided to dissolve our partnership, old man. Oh, you're disposing of me? Perhaps that's a nicer way of saying it. I do not prefer to be disposed. Naturally, you don't, but sometimes we get disposed, whether we like it or not. Mr. Lyme, we began this enterprise together, and I think we shall finish it together. You have never been more in error, old man. Now, you must forgive me for running off my... A moment, Mr. Lyme. Yes? You recall Carlos? I do. And that young man from Innsbruck, I forget his name. You mean Manhammer? Yes, if it were possible, they would be very sorry they were rude to me. Hmm. I'm now the most well-threatened man in Europe, and you have joined an innumerable caravan. Arrivederci. Don't farewell me yet, Mr. Lyme. Sorry, but I really must. Do not force me to shoot you. If you take one more step toward the door, I'll uh, be fired. Now, don't be a complete fool, old man. If, if they found a dead man in your room, they'd hang you. I will be easy with you. Just tell me where Mrs. Donaldson is, and I, I will forgive you your ungratefulness. Rubio, I'm on my way out. If you fire that gun, the police will be here before you can get out of the hotel. Buongiorno. There's a saying in this city, see Naples and die. It only proves that life is very short and uncertain for us all. Goodbye, old man. Believe me, I'm not a professional hero. 
But I was not at all concerned about Senor Rubio putting a bullet in me, not in his hotel room. I hurried to the pier where the Arcturus was about to dock. She was carrying precious freight, Mrs. Donaldson. I already made arrangements for one of the customs officials to hold Mrs. Donaldson up on a pretext of going through her luggage. A few thousand liras did the trick. Oh, you stubborn man. I tell you, there's nothing contraband in my luggage. You've already gone through my clothes twice with your dirty hands. Amy, talk to this man. He doesn't understand a word of English. My Italian is worse than his English. Le rincresce tanto, signora, ma è necessario. Ho istruzione di esaminare il vostro bagaglio. Deve aver pazienza. What seems to be the trouble here? Thank heavens, an American. I have no idea why this idiotic official is rummaging through my clothes. That's a matter of form, you know. You must think I was a smuggler or something. I've been to Naples many times, and there's never been this ridiculous fuss. I'll talk to the American consul. See to it that this man loses his job. I wonder if you could talk to him. That is, if you can speak Italian. Of course, I'd be only too happy to. Let me see what I can do. Che cosa succede qui? Di regola di affaminare ogni 25 passaggeri. Oh, no, questo non è necessario, conosco la signora. Questa è la mia carta. Ah, signore, mi rincresce tanto di aver dato la signora tutto questo disturbo. No, no, veramente. Niente. It's all right now, you're cleared. Here, let me help your bags, hmm? Thank you ever so much. I don't know what I would have done without you. Amy, get one of those porters to help us with the luggage. Yes, Mrs. Donald. I have my car here. I'd be glad to give you a lift to your hotel. Oh, I wouldn't want you to bother. Oh, don't bother at all. One fellow American to another, you know. Thank you. <laughs> These taxi drivers rob you mercilessly. Yeah. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. My name is Lyme. Harold Lyme. I'm Mrs. Frederica Donaldson. Mrs. I'm so Donaldson. glad we ran into you. A uh, wonderful piece of luck. <laughs> well, let's say we're well met. <laughs> <laughs> Loveliness was gracing my car. Loveliness in the form of the emerald locket around Mrs. Donaldson's neck. And loveliness in the form of Amy Collins. She was Mrs. Donaldson's hired companion. She had red hair and eyes to match the emerald. And she liked me. I think she liked me. If so often I'd catch her eye. And she'd turn away. As if she were guilty of something. Really, Mr. Lamb, I've never been so humiliated. Just standing there with that man poking away at my underthings, messing up all my clothes. Absolutely no regard for our feelings. Something should be done about this. He was only following instructions. I don't think he was doing anything he sort. He was just being malicious and perverse. If it weren't for Mr. Lyme, I don't know what would have happened. We're deeply indebted to him. Oh, you don't owe me anything at all. I did what any other American would have done, Mrs. Donaldson. I wish we could repay you for your kindness. Well... You know, I, I think maybe you can. Wonderful. Just tell us what it is. Well, I've got to buy my sister a gift. It's her birthday. I don't know too much about jewelry, so I wonder if either of you could come along and help me shop. Of course we can. Amy does most of my shopping for me. She's very good oh, at that's it. wonderful. I'm sure she'd be delighted to help you. Don't you want me to help you get your things unpacked? I'm already unpacked, thanks to that customs official. No, you go ahead. Just drop me at the hotel. You don't mind, do you, Miss Collins? Oh, no, not at all. Good. It's a relief. Now, I'd like both of you to be my guests at dinner tonight. That's very kind of you. We'd be delighted. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mrs. Donaldson. Really, it's my pleasure. We deposited fat Mrs. Donaldson in a room, and then Amy and I went shopping. I took her along to the Corso Vittorio Emanuele, one of Naples' better thoroughfares. What are you looking for, Mr. Lyme? Please, call me Harry. All right. May I call you Amy? If you wish. Hmm. <laughs> you don't sound very enthusiastic. 
Please call me Amy. That's much better. What do you want to buy for your sister? Some nice jewelry, a necklace or a locket, something like that. Mrs. Donaldson was wearing something pretty, something like that. <laughs> you don't know much about jewelry, do you? Well, I know what I like. Most of the time, the things I like you can find in a dime store. You won't find Mrs. Donaldson's locket in a dime store. It costs about $20,000. 20000 You're kidding. No, that's a real emerald she has set in the locket. She must be crazy traveling with a thing like that flashing on her neck. Oh, well, it's not very wise, but she's very sentimental about it. Her husband gave it to her just before he died. She swore to wear it every day of her life. She was very devoted to him. Well, I suppose you think I'm pretty much of a chump about jewelry. You have good taste. I also have good luck meeting you. Life is very strange, isn't it? Mm. No, why? Well, just half an hour ago, you and I were total strangers. Now here I am helping you buy a gift as if... As if we'd known each other for a long time. Well, there's nothing wrong in that, is there? No, it's... Just at the moment you entered the scene, things seemed to move fast and efficiently. You make it sound as if it were a fault. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. I can go away and come back again and do it more slowly. I suppose I sound foolish. Perhaps it's because you liked me too soon. Well, I... Well, I, I liked you too soon. Well... That's probably too fast for you, too. But you see, I'm a man who says what's on his mind. Probably not a very efficient way of talking to a gentle soul like you. Oh, no, I prefer straightforward people. All right, now, you be straightforward. What was your first reaction to me when you first saw me? I, I was interested, perhaps maybe intrigued. That's better. You have a way of condensing relationships quickly. Well, if people like each other, they don't need a calendar full of time to tell them about it. Good things grow slowly. Here's a shop. Mm. Mm. Well, they all look pretty, that... That filigree pin. I like that. It's very nice. Which one? Uh, the one near the large cameo. Oh, yes, it is very pretty. Shall we go in? Wait. Let's look at the other things in the window. Ah, I'm begging your pardon. I heard you conversing English. We were talking American, a totally different language. I, I'm trying to reach Via Salvatore Rosa. Could you inform me how to get there? Sure, old man. Turn right to the next corner and go straight for three squares. Oh, I'm much grateful. That's right, all right. Would you like, uh, uh, you like a cigarette? Uh, no, no, thank you very much. Just turn right at the next corner. Oh, I'm unhappy to trouble you further, oh, but that's, uh, uh, do you have a match? I'm sorry, but I don't have any matches with me. I have a light. Mademoiselle is most generous. Hmm. A thousand thanks. Uh, turn right at the next corner. And three squares and down, three eh? squares down. Good day to you all. Good day. Perhaps you will meet again, eh? Good day. He seemed most reluctant to leave. Yeah. Uh, an odd fellow. Why did you refuse to give him a light? I didn't like his face. Did you ever see him before? Why do you ask that? We acted as if he knew you. Well, I didn't care to know him. I think you gave him the wrong direction. Well, it could be. It seems that if he followed your directions, he would find himself in the Bay of Naples. I'm sure it won't dampen his spirits. Should we go in now? Yes, of course. There's just one thing I'd like to ask I'll you. I'll answer anything you want. What do you do for a living? Uh, uh, for a living? Oh, I'm a dealer in objet d'art. I wander through the world collecting the best things. Sounds very interesting. Mm, it is. It's, it's often quite exciting. Now, let's go in and buy that filigree pin. Back to Amy's hotel, she was thoughtful and not much inclined to do any talking. I took her by the hands. She didn't object to that, but she didn't react to the touch. 
Put it simply, she just let me hold her hand, nothing more. I suspected that Signor Rubio had made too strong an impression. It's essential now that I work fast. The emerald would have to be in my pocket tonight or not at all. However, I wasn't worried about Rubio. Strangely enough, it was Amy bothered me. I was beginning to be a little too fond of her. That, that was bad. I always make it a point not to be too fond of anyone in this world. This is a lovely romantic restaurant. I'm glad How you like it. How you it, Mr. Lyon? I just asked the porter in the hotel. They know everything in Italy. The portier is the best informed people in the country. It's really delightful. Oh, God. Don't you think so, Amy? Yes, I do. It's charming. Won't you have some more spumante? Well, just a drop. Mm, I declare, just like champagne. Yes, it's the Italian version. It's so kind of you to give so much time to us, Mr. Lyon. Really, it is. Amy, isn't Mr. Lyon just a dear? I think we're most generous. Oh, I'm having such a delicious time. I feel so happy. Happier than I've been since... I, I wish poor Benjamin were here with us. You would have liked him, Mr. Lyon. Oh, I'm sure I would. Uh, poor Benjamin. Oh, no, 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 Mrs. Donaldson. Let's not be sad. Here, just have a little more spumante. Oh, hmm? I really don't think we should. I'm afraid you're going to make us all drunk, Mr. Lyon. Oh, Amy. I don't think another drop will hurt us. After all... By this time, Mrs. Donaldson was becoming thoroughly relaxed. Spumante is a fine relaxer. I stirred the champagne with a wooden swizzle stick, the bottom of which was well laced with phenobarbital. My keynote for the evening, as you can see, was relaxation. Before the evening was over, my emeralded guest was going to be the most relaxed woman in all Italy. The Spumante bubbled and frothed over as I stirred it. I know I shouldn't have another glass, but perhaps you had better stop, Mrs. Donaldson. Never. I just feel so wonderful. How about you, Amy? All right. A toast to us. May we always be as happy as we are now. A toast to you, Mr. Lyon. You wonderful, wonderful man. I patted her neck. I wanted her to get used to the touch of my hand against her neck. She withdrew a little. For then I could become super sensitive about the locket. We drank. I studied the clasp on the lock. It was a simple device. You turned a tiny wheel, and it released the catch. Just a twist of the wrist. The musicians are going to play again. Uh, come here, come here. Please, Mr. Lyme, no more. Spumante. No, I have a special surprise. Yes, Senor. Have the musicians come over here. Yes, Senor. Oh, isn't that sweet? That's a lovely gesture, Harry. I thought you'd forgotten my first name. Here they are, Senor. What would you like them to play? What would you like, Mrs. Donaldson? Oh, I can't think of a thing. How about some Neapolitan songs? Uh, per favore, a monastero Santa Chiara. Canta per It was going to be very easy. They were completely at ease, and they trusted me. Amy stole her hand at the mine as they played. It was really quite pleasant. I leaned back and relaxed. That was just beautiful. Very good. Thank you. Molto grazie. Here's something for the lads. Oh, grazie, signor. Did you enjoy it, Mrs. Donaldson? They played divine. I have a wonderful idea. How would you all like to go for a drive to Pompeii? At this hour? Yeah, it's only 10 o'clock. It's a full moon. Quite a thrill. I adore to go. Ask 
fascinating place. I've been there many times. Well, you have to see it at night. Isn't it closed? Right. Of course it is. We can go in through the back way near the arena. I'm willing if Mrs. Donaldson is. Try and stop me. What a marvelous idea. Just one thing. What is it? Amy told me about your emerald locket. I think it'd be safer if you left it at your hotel. In the safe of your hotel. Don't you Don't worry it. about it. I never take it off. No, but really. Except when I retire. Don't worry about it. It's perfectly safe. Besides, we won't find any criminals in Pompeii. No, I'm sure not. But all the same, I'd feel better if you left the Oh, no, it. no, I can't do that. Please don't fret about it. All right, if you're sure. Let's go right now. Just let me pay the bill. Come here, eh? Yes, signor. Uh, conto, per favore. Check. Yes, signor. It was less than an hour's ride to the ancient, extinct city of Pompeii, lying like a corpse at the foot of its killer, Vesuvius. We entered through the gardens of an ancient home. The moon shone down hard and white, lighting up the empty city. Isn't it thrilling and beautiful and frightening? A chap by the name of Trebio Valenti used to live here. He hasn't been home for nearly 2,000 years. Here we are in Abodanza Street. It's in perfect condition. Isn't it exciting? It's unbelievable. Now look at the gutter. You can see where the chariot wheels made deep ruts in the stone. What a narrow street. We can walk in the gutter. I don't think we'll be run over by any chariots tonight. Where does this street lead to? To the Forum. What about those lovely buildings? Oh, they're old mansions. Belong to a couple of rich fellows. See the sign on the wall? What does it say? Post no bills in Latin. <laughs> and the sign alongside of it? Down with such and such a tyrant. Time has worn away the name. It's just amazing. It all begins to make me feel faint. Oh, don't you feel well, Mrs. Donaldson? I, I feel fine. Uh, just sleepy. I don't know why I should feel sleepy when I'm so excited. Well, don't you want to sit down? Maybe I'd better. We'll just rest for a moment. I think we'd better go back. We will, but first we'll let Mrs. Donaldson catch a few minutes rest. There's a marble bench in the atrium of the Casa de Ciriale. He used to be an arrogant rich man who didn't like the strangers visiting his palatial home, but I don't think you mind now. Oh, it's lovely in here. Here we are. You sit down, Mrs. Donaldson, and rest your shoulder against mine. There you are. You're a darling, Mr. Lyons. Amy, if you walk into the other room to your right, you'll see some excellent frescoes. They're beautifully preserved. May I have the flashlight? Yes, here, here. Mrs. Donaldson was sleeping softly. I pressed my fingers against her neck to test her responses. There was no reaction. Tried it again so that even in her sleep she would feel no alarm, become accustomed to the feel of fingers around her throat. She slept peacefully on Quickly unloosed the catch and slow care not to slide the locket, picked it gently off the neck. At the same time, I held her hand to divert his sensation of touch. It was done quickly. I was ready to make my silent departure, gently propped her against a pillar. Then I heard a sound that froze me. Footsteps. Footsteps, and they weren't Amy's. Who's there? What's the matter? I caught a glimpse of him. It was one of the guards. There was only one thing to do. Run. I turned the corner and ran into one of the old Roman baths. I made for one of the rooms, expecting it to have another exit. It was dark, and I followed around. I had a very unpleasant feeling when I became aware that the only way out was the way I came in. I ran back. It's too late. My pursuer was standing at the entrance with a flashlight in one hand and a gun in the other. It was not a guard. It was a ruby. You see, Harry, fate has thrown us together again. It's still around her neck. The locket, please. I just told you. It's I'm still... not in my hotel now. This time I will kill you. Give me the locket. I... I'm not a usually reckless fellow, but this time I did a very rash thing. I rushed him. He fired. The bullet tore a hole in my shoulder, barely touching my skin. I wrestled with him. He fell on the marble floor. His wiring very strong. In a few seconds, it was clear that he was in far better shape than I. Then he hit me a very rude blow on the head with a gun. And I abandoned the fight. 
For a moment, I just lay there thinking. Thinking what a very evil moment of my life this was. Now, the locket. Okay. Thank you. And now I think I will dispose of you for having caused me all this trouble. That's the police, Ruby, old man. You're caught. Caught red-handed. But the emerald... It doesn't belong to you, old man. Better go along quietly with the police. Look, there's some more of them coming through the door. No use putting up a fight. Remember what I've always told you, old man. Crime doesn't pay. I don't know how to thank you, Mr. Lyme. Risking your life to save my locket. Oh, that's all right. You're the most brave man to chase after him in the dark, unarmed. Well, I'd just gone to see where Amy was, and I heard the sound. There he was, deftly removing the locket from your neck. I felt someone puttering around my neck, but I thought it was you. Oh, really? I, I was asleep, you know. <laughs> now, I had my suspicions about this Rubio from the first. Does the wound hurt much? Oh, it's nothing. It's a hole in my suit. And a bird bump on your head. You poor boy. Little mm-hmm. hero. Amy, you haven't said a word to our hero since they arrested that Rubio man. Oh, I'm I'm just stunned. Oh, I'm sorry we got you into this. I, I never should have taken you to Pompeii. It's all my fault. Of course not. That terrible man would have tried to snatch the locket wherever I was. Just a lucky thing I met up with you. I'm going to give you a gift. You just must take it. A hundred-pound note. Oh, I wouldn't think of it. You'd make me very it. happy if you took it. Oh, no, I absolutely... Please, I Mr. Lyme, please. Well, if it means so much to you, I'll Splendid. give it to my favorite charity. Yeah. Well, here we are at the hotel, safe and sound. Thanks to you. I must run upstairs. The whole thing has given me a severe headache. You will call me in the morning, won't you, Mr. Lyme? Indeed, I will, Mrs. Donaldson. Good night. Good night. Oh, Amy, can I have a word with you? I'll be up in a moment, Mrs. Donaldson. Of course, dear. Good night again. And bless you, Mr. Lyme. I'm... I'm sorry about this evening, Amy. So am I. Let's meet for lunch tomorrow. No, Harry. Why not? I never saw the frescoes on the wall. You didn't? No, I didn't find them, and I walked all the way around. I saw you from the front entrance. Oh. Besides, a man who deals in fine arts would know an emerald locket from a dime store trinket. Yes. Should have thought of that. I was beginning to like you very much, Harry. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not the kind of man you'd like to begin to like a little more. It's a pity. You don't want to see me again, ever? It'll never be any good. Well, you might as well have the filigree pin. What about your sister? I haven't spoken to my sister in ten years. She doesn't approve of me, suppose. Supposing I give it to you. No, thanks. You mean you wouldn't take it? No, no, I couldn't. Well, supposing if you didn't take it, I just threw it away. Oh, but you shouldn't do that. Oh, I won't. I won't. We were just supposing. Now, goodbye, Amy. There's no supposing about that, I suppose. And now, Harry Lyme. As I walked to my hotel, I thought about La Fair Emerald. It cost me about $100 to bribe the customer official with champagne and a gold filigree pin. 
The reward left me with a profit of $270-odd plus a bump on the head and a hole in my suit. I'd lost the lovely green emerald and the lovely green eyes of Amy. The emerald didn't bother me too much, but Amy... Amy. She nearly interfered with the great romance of my life. My love for Harry Lyme. And now, Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man, in Clay Pigeon. My fortunes being for the moment at ebb tide, it pleased me to return to America, to New York specifically, because I'd heard that an old and important enemy of mine was in difficulties and wished to see me. I went to the hotel where he was staying, supposedly incognito, and made myself available at the bar. But nothing happened. I ran up quite a bar bill and things were looking serious. So I ordered another drink. And then... Mr. Lyon. Mr. Harry Lyon. Uh, oh... Yes, yes, indeed. I, I'm sorry to bother you. Bother? If all, all bothersome things were as attractively packaged, I'd gladly be the most burdened of men. Won't you join me? I didn't come here for that reason, Mr. Lyon. I know. It's a friendly gesture, and I have a hunch we're going to see a lot of each other. Now, since you know my name, why don't you tell me yours? That's unimportant. Well, that's a matter of opinion. Will you, will you please come with me? Well, I say, now, isn't that approach a little bold. After all, an establishment like this frowns on such an obvious... Please, Mr. Lyme, come with me. You're the only one who can save him. Me? Save anybody? <laughs> You've come to the wrong Harry Lyme. Please, you must, even though you hate him. I hate him? Now you interest me now. Just which antagonist do you mean? I've got an awful lot of enemies. You're wasting time. He'll, he'll pay you a great deal of money. Money? You can name your own price. The price of my hatred comes pretty high. But for money and hate, Lyme goes anywhere. Lovely lady, lead on. Profitable business should be made as painless as possible, and this girl was a pleasure. The dark Irish type with eyes, the mold and color of the restless channel waters and hair, as blue-black as the proverbial raven's wing. I began to enjoy myself. My waiting game was going to pay off through an old enemy. It was a fine evening for cold mischief. We took the elevator in silence, walking down the corridor to the suite of my enemy. I studied my young guide. She caught my glance. Her color mounted. I smiled. We're almost there. I say, are you bringing me on a wild goose chase? If it is, then it's the goose that lays the golden egg, Mr. Lyon. <laughs> this is it. You don't approve of me, do you? Follow me, please. Well, I'd love to. You're just like the rest of the public, dear. You're always clamoring for high ideals, fair play, and always the first to indict without a hearing. Yes? I found him, sir. To the contrary, I found you. Please. Well, come in, by all means. The Honorable James Hadley, I believe. Aren't you surprised to see me, Lyme? Well, not particularly. This morning, when the wind from the East River brought with it the usual aroma of stale grease, ancient garbage, and sewer gas... Had an idea I might run into Governor Hadley before the day was out. Aren't you in the wrong state? Hmm. Still the same old Harry. Insulting, conniving. And you're the man I'm supposed to help? <laughs> it's not by choice, believe me. That I do believe, Governor. The dislike is mutual. Well, Governor, it's nice leaving uh, you. Wait, Lyme. I'm offering you $15,000 if... If... Had I better leave, Governor? Uh, no. You're responsible for bringing Lyme here, Nora. Perhaps my only hope of keeping him here. You're quite wrong, sir. There are 15,000 reasons holding me here for the time being. How long I remain depends on you. Talk. 
I know how you hate me. I also know your capabilities, Lyme. You're the only man to accomplish the job I have in mind. I've already told you what I'd pay. Lyme, I'm begging you to help me. That's good. You begging me for help. All right. Sing your sad song, Hadley, old man, about the beast you must feed. You... you know. Don't I always know, Governor? Knowing who was after your official scalp, I realized you'd undoubtedly come to me for help. Use one poison as the antidote for another. Made myself available. You found me. You mean you knew it all the time, even downstairs you knew? In general, dear Nora, though I neither knew the sordid details nor the price to be paid for my services. Show him the pictures, Nora. Yes, Captain. Right here in the briefcase. Here you are. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> my governor... I didn't think it even of you. You see, Nora, even Lyme believes the man in those cursed pictures is me. <laughs> Very interesting. Who's the uh, uh, lady? How should I know? Oh, come on now, Governor. Official manners, or in this case, even unofficial manners, demand that you at least know the name of your uh, female companion. Has American etiquette deteriorated to the point that you summon such creatures with a hey, you? Mr. Lyme, I'll have you know that Governor Hadley is not the man in those pictures. And good little girls should never, never tell lies, Nora. Oh, hang it all. She's telling the truth, Lyme. I never frequent such clubs as those pictures show. And here. Here, look at this one. You'll recognize a newcomer to the party. Oh, yes, Cato. Cato, the robber baron. I admire his instincts, but not always his performance. He's a bit clumsy. Trubus Cato. Hmm. Gambler, ward heater, grafter. Such dear, nostalgic words. You almost make me homesick, Governor. Yeah, be sensible, Lyme. Can you imagine me in such company at any time? Particularly with an election coming up next month? Not unless you're even more stupid than you used to be, James. But then everything is possible. Really, Mr. Lyme, this is the... But cameras don't lie. You, above anyone else, should know better than that, Lyme. How many times have you faked a picture to gain your ends? Mm -hmm. Touche, Governor, but then I always do things the hard way. You told Nora that yourself. Yeah, it's hard for your victims. Oh, but this isn't getting us anyplace. No matter what else you may choose to think of me, Lyme, you know my term in office has been clean. Insofar as proof is concerned, the incorruptible Governor Hadley. However, these pictures could prove extremely embarrassing, old man. The untouchable Hadley seems to have been taken. I don't know much about you, Mr. Lyme, except that you hate Governor Hadley. But now he's asking for your help. No matter what happened in the past between you, please help him. He's willing to pay. He said your hatred came high. Wasn't his offer high enough? Nora. That's quite all right, Governor. I admire honesty and loyalty, even though I don't approve of it or believe in it. Come here, Nora. What? Come here. I want you to stand right before me. Look right into my eyes, straight in my eyes. Answer a question. But I... Well, Mr. Lyme, what is if it? If I were the Governor... And you were my secretary. Would you be as honest, as loyal? As honest? Yes. As loyal? No. <laughs> I see. Well, why the great concern about these pictures, Hadley? Surely your indiscretions aren't that important. Then you are going to help me. I'm considering it. Then you know those pictures are important, Lyme. Cato's going to use them to ruin me. Why? He wants control of my state. Either his crooked syndicate moves in, or he sends these pictures to every newspaper in the state on the eve of the election. <laughs> Trooper's Cato has improved with the years. This is almost worthy of me. I never expected you to understand, Lyme. But I thought the fee might make it worth your while. Re-election means a great deal to me. I worked hard for my office. Mm. I don't want to win or lose because of a hoodlum like Cato. I, and I don't want my wife. 
my family to be subjugated to this kind of smear campaign. They don't deserve it. Spoken like a true family man, an American and a politician. Governor Hadley, there must be some other way to get the negatives than this, this man. Please, Norm. Elaine the fair, Elaine the lovable, Elaine the lily maid of Astolat. High in her chamber, up a tower to the east, guarded the sacred shield. I'll get the negatives and the rest of these pictures from Cato for 15000 Oh, thank heaven. And dismissal of all charges against me in your state, old man. What? The price is cheap, Governor, for your career and your family. But, Governor, you can't. Just a moment, Nora. <clears throat> Very well, Lime. You'll get me those negatives and you'll receive your money and full pardon. I'll take the money now. I expected that. Pay him, Nora. How... How do you know you can trust him, sir? <laughs> the only man I know who can outwit Cato. I've got to trust him. My uh, fee, Miss Peyton? Here it is. You'd better count it, Mr. Lyon. But why? I trust you. Oh. <clears throat> Just how do you plan to contact Cato? That's easy enough. Easy to find a man like Cato. The hard part is in avoiding him. You should know that very well, Governor. Well, uh... What is my next move? Right back to your nice snug capital. Return to your ivory tower, Hadley, and carry on business as usual. Oh, very well. We might as well start packing, Nora. We'll leave, we'll leave at once. Yes, Governor. No. What? Nora stays with me. I... I what? Now, listen here, Lyle. Cato doesn't know her by sight, does he? I don't think so. He contacted me away from his office. And she'll be our go-between. You can still pack, Nora. I want you to register at another hotel, the Plaza will do. I'll meet you at the cocktail lounge in three hours. Just what do you uh, think? Nora. I... I'd appreciate it if you would cooperate with Mr. Lyme in whatever way you can. Well, Nora? Very well, Governor. I'll do my best. Uh, you understand, Nora? We must trust Mr. Lyme. <laughs> well? Who wants to tuck in the hall, Cato? Let me in. Come in, then. Well? Well, what have you found out, Izzy? I am tailing Governor Hadley like you want ever since he sneaked into town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come to the point. Who is staying away from the point? The governor is making contacts with every main hood in New York. But nobody wants to go against Cato. <laughs> mm -hmm. Only Hadley must be finding someone who will go against you because he leaves the hotel three hours ago. Leaves? Checks out. is taking a powder. But before that, he sends his girl down to the bar. Girl? What girl? Who knows her name? But who this girl talks to down at the bar, you'll never guess. Come on, Gib. I'm not playing guessing games. All right, all right, Cato. So don't get sore at me. I'm trying to tell you all the time. She meets a Harry Lime. I hear her say the name. Harry Lime. This is not good news. Harry Lime's the only guy, but the only guy who can louse me up. He would have to come to New York. Come on. Come on where? To the plaza, you jerk. If Lime's... To come into this game, he's going to be on my side, alive or dead. Mr. Lyme, Mr. Lyme. Nora, I never dared hope you'd be this eager to see me. That's Cato over at the bar. Oh, have a drink. What are you going to do about Cato? Careful, here comes the waiter. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, what will you have? Well, what's your pleasure, honey? Nothing, anything. Well, that offers a pretty wide choice. Waiter, scotch and water for uh, two. Two scotch and water, it is. Thank you. I want you to smile, Laura. Look relaxed. Listen very carefully to what I have to say. I'll try. Glad you blessed me once before I die. What? Your smile. First time I've seen it, his radiance is breathtaking. Please. Now leave me at once, Laura. While you're going to the powder room, don't return. 
Go to your room and stay there. I don't understand. Mr. Cato is preparing to beard me in his den. And I want you around when he does. But I... It's coming this way. Now, hurry. I haven't called you by morning. Get back to the Capitol fast. What Go about on. you? Why, Nora, I never dreamed you cared. Oh, of all the... You are scotch and water, sir? Fine, fine. Here you are. I thank you, sir. Drinking alone, Lime? That can turn into a bad habit. Trubis Cato in the flesh. It is uh, flesh, isn't it, old boy? <laughs> Same old Harry. How about buying me the next round, Harry? At my place. Why, Trubis, old man. Are you thinking of taking me for a ride? Why, Oh, Harry. it's all right, it's all right, old man. I, I'm game for anything. Shall we go? Once we got in the car, Trubus stopped talking, and I was not in the mood to make any conversation. I had my tiger by the tail, and I waited for his move. Wait in the car, Izzy. This won't take long. Okay, boss. I am waiting. After our nocturnal tour, you bring me to a ruin like this? Really, Cato, I thought you were doing pretty well. I'm doing fine, Harry. Place on the state line, not too far from the capital. Makes it handy. Mm, for you or the governor? <laughs> Wait and see. Trubus! Well, this is a surprise. Hadley! <laughs> uh, who's this fellow, Trubus? The face is Jim Hadley's and the voice is almost identical. Inside, Luke. Come on, Harry. And I'll buy you that drink I promised. <laughs> sure. Drinks on the house. Yes, yes, I... I could use one. Yeah, sit down, Harry. I, I didn't think I'd see you so soon again, Trubus. What happened, did you? Shut up. Pour the drinks. Oh, sure, sure, Trubus. Now, Harry, I'm open for business. Well, I... To risk the obvious, this isn't Governor Hadley. <laughs> you bet I'm not. The Hadley boys were identical twins. Luke here was the black sheep of the family. Also, was supposed to have died in a train wreck 15 years ago. Identical twins. The oldest pitch in the world. Luke was the man in those pictures. So simple it always works. Even fool you, Harry. Oh, I can be fooled. I can be fooled, old man. Ah, Luke's lived on jealousy and whiskey ever since he's seen the accident. He crossed my path several years ago just as I was figuring how to move into Jim Hadley's state. He was an answer from heaven. Yeah, or the devil. I thought I had luck. I can give you a fat fee, Harry, and a fine chance to pay off your old grudge against the governor. Now, since when has benevolence become one of your characteristics, Cato? What about this fat fee? You only paid me. Shut up. I... As you know, I've already made the first contact with the governor. How do you know I know? Takes one to catch one, Harry. Mm. <laughs> As I said, I've got Jim over a barrel. I know he's bought you to get the pictures from me, but if you come into my deal... You not only make yourself some money, but you can put the final squeeze on the good governor. Uh-uh. Planning to set me up as a clay pigeon, are you, old man? Sending me to make the actual transaction so you can move your syndicate into the state while I'm caught with my blackmail down. No, Harry, you'd know I wouldn't do that. To coin a cliche about thieves, Cato. <laughs> I know. How much is the governor paying you to get these negatives? Fifteen thousand and a full pardon. Fifteen thousand? 
Why, Suba, she only gave me $500 to pose in those pictures. I'll give you 25000 to come in with me, Harry. Twenty-five In advance? Half of it. The rest when the deal is clinched. Listen here, Troopers. If you're so quick to throw money around, toss some my way. I, I've been And cheated. a percentage of my gross to take when I'm in the state. It'll be like an annuity, Harry. You listen to me, Troopers. You cut me in on this big deal you're talking about. If you don't, I'll go to jail. You what, Luke? Uh, nothing, kiddo. I, I didn't mean I, I was only trying to... Oh, what are you going to do, Troopers? Is he? I... Take this rack and let Muggsy work him over. No. He talks too much. No, no, I promise not to talk. You, you need me. I'll never. Come on, Lou. No. Roll it. No, please. Ah, come on, I, I said. won't. No. Well, what's your answer, Harry? Do all of your business partners get that treatment, old man? <laughs> no, of course not. He's always asking for it. But now ask, for instance. Why, we'll, we'll clean up in Happy State. Slot machines, numbers, racket, dope protection, and that's just the beginning. Harry, give us five years and we'll be making money from every man, woman, and child in the United mm, States. Compared to you, Joe Stalin is an amateur. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll settle for a mere percentage, Cato, no. Our deal's got to be 50-50 or I won't come over and slide down your cellar door. 50-50, why, you... Do you think you'll get away with this? I'm certain of it. No, because the young lady was with me at the plaza. What about She's her? She's Hadley's secretary. I spent a great deal of time and effort on getting a complete file of your misdemeanors, Cato. If I fail to contact her, copies of said file will immediately be sent to all state and federal law enforcement offices. Your pitiful tin types will be forgotten in the headlines about Trubis Cato. You wouldn't want to be named public enemy number one. Fifty-fifty it is. <laughs> Hadley. Nora, good heavens, girl. What's happened? Harry Lyme, he's with Cato now, or at least he talked with him last night. By this time, he might be dead. Dead? Why don't you call the police or the FBI? You're the governor. Do something. You too, Nora. What do you mean? The notorious Lyme charm. The man's brutal, merciless, vindictive. Lives only for himself. Yet when he wishes, he can hide all this with a cloak of magnetism. Great fascination. He's blinded you, Nora. No, I hate him. He's a horrible man. I... Oh, I don't know what he is. It's been terrible, all of it. Seeing Cato waiting all night for Harry's call, not hearing, coming here. I know, my dear. Believe me, I'm sorry. Yes? Governor Hadley, I'm Mr. Harry Lyme to see you. Harry. And Mr. Cato. Cato here? Uh, send them in, please. Yes, sir. What can it mean? I don't know. Good afternoon, Governor Hadley. Nora. Mr. Lyme. And true as Cato. Surely you haven't forgotten me, Governor. Cato, I told you once and for all. Don't be too hasty, Mr. Governor. My proposition is so good that Mr. Lyme has come in on the deal with me. What? But you agreed to... Lyme? Is this... this thug telling the truth? I've bought certain contracts for your signature, Governor. They'll allow Mr. Cato full-scale operations in your state. Oh, no, you wouldn't. I can't believe it, Lyme. Not even you. The price of the negatives, Governor. Oh, you'd better give me those negatives now, Cato. Prove our good faith to Governor Hadley. <laughs> what good faith? Oh, but here you are, Harry. The negatives and the rest of the pictures. All nicely tied with a pretty ribbon, Governor. A ribbon as blue as Nora's eyes. You, how small can you get? Now, will you sign Mr. Cato's contracts, Governor? I'll deliver the negatives to Miss Payton. That's right. 
Just sign on the dotted line, Hadley, and everybody will be happy. Sold out because I trusted a rat. Here's your pen, Governor. And here. Back, Nora. Get out of the way. Ah! Lime, what? What are you doing? Down on the floor, Governor. Down on the floor. Gun. Are you crossing me, Harold? Hold it, Cato. It's my deal. Oh, yes? Ah! Oh. You killed him. What happened? No shot. I suggest you call an ambulance, young lady. There's been an attempt on Governor Hadley's life. My goodness. And keep those people out of here for a minute. How can I ever thank you, Lime? You risked your life, Harry, and all the time we saw... Save it, save it. I had to kill Cato to take over his very lucrative business myself. I'll keep these negatives, Governor. You'll what? No, Harry, no. This is one time, Governor Hadley, when you're not getting off so easily. These incriminating negatives in my possession, like the sword of Damocles, will be suspended over your uneasy head from now on. Call them Harry Lyme's annuity, Governor. Now, if you'll excuse me. I might have expected this. And I was beginning to think you were a human being. By the time I left the Capitol building, the stars were out. The stars. It was reached by hard ways. I searched for a likely alley. Alley that was dark enough, lonely enough. Hmm. This one will do well enough. Better remove the ribbon. Blue, blue ribbon. Better to burn them. Oh, another voyage of the night. Greetings, cat. You chilly? Come closer. Seem to be ablaze. First the negatives. My candle burns at both ends. It will not last the night, but are my friends and all my foes. Gives a lovely light. Thank you, friend. Your applause is deeply appreciated. I will add the pictures. Does that warm you, cat? You there. And what do you think you're doing in this alley? Isn't it fairly obvious, officer? I'm making a fire. Fire, you know. Burning some love letters. Girl named Nora. Nora, huh? Well, that's a good Irish name. She had the bluest eyes this side of heaven. I'll leave the ashes to you, officer. Uh, Hey, by the saints, you're Harry Lyme. Come back here. So long. Ben Franklin said about honesty being the best policy. I wish I could. Just keep slipping my mind. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y.com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, Be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages 
for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal based about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.